Welcome to Tits Up. When things go tits up, they're broken. Tits up can also mean brave up and get on with it. This is what we do as mothers. When things are broken, we pull up our big girl pants and we wade through the muck. This episode of Tits Up is sponsored by Booby Foods, all natural and organic foods to nourish you as you breastfeed your baby. And natural therapies, many of which are already in your kitchen, it can help support optimum health in our children. Welcome, Jessica. Thanks so much for having me, Pinky. Absorb our nutrients. It's where we eliminate our waste. The majority of the immune system is located in the gut. Um, Our kids' mood and behaviour and sleep really relies on good gut health. Right. And of course, when one mum has a good result... She tells Words another friends. mum, there's nothing like the mummy mafia, is there? Exactly. Yes, that's so true. Craving more of the, the carby, starchy, bland, refined beige foods that so many fussy kids eat. And I'm like, well, are you eating breakfast? Well, no, but they have to uh-huh. eat breakfast. You know? yeah, that modelling matters, doesn't mm. it, with fussy eating? Mm. We feel a bit nauseous because you haven't done your poos, you know. Exactly. Yeah, a bit off. The last thing you feel like doing is eating. Hello and welcome to Tits Up. Today I'm discussing kids' gut health with naturopath Jessica Donovan and Jessica's the founder of Natural Super Kids. Jessica helps busy mums raise super kids with healthy food and natural medicine. As a naturopath, she has an intricate understanding of how the body works and natural therapies, many of which are already in your kitchen, that can help support optimum health in our children. In her clinical work, Jessica has helped hundreds of parents transform their children's health. My results have been from, oh shit, I better start again, sorry. Her results. results. Oh, that's okay. Bad editing. Sorry, Dave, we'll go back to the beginning. (laughs) Have you got kids yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought you did, yeah, how old? Uh, they're 12 and 14 now. They're getting getting right. on a bit. Teenagers. Right. Okay. I'll start again. Okay. No worries. Hello and welcome to Chits Up. Today I'm discussing children's gut health with naturopath Jessica Donovan. Jessica's the founder of Natural Super Kids and she helps ra- busy mums raise super kids with healthy food and natural medicine. As a naturopath, Jessica has an intricate understanding of how the body works and natural therapies, many of which are already in your kitchen, that can help support optimum health in our children. In her clinical work, Jessica has helped hundreds of parents to transform their children's health. Her results have been from minor issues like getting picky kids to eat a more varied diet, to helping clients navigate chronic issues and everything in between from eczema to tummy issues. And Jessica's also a mum herself, kids are 12 and 14 now so growing up welcome Jessica thanks so much for having me Pinky and as a naturopath how did you become so passionate about kids gut health oh well I just found that, you know, working on kids' gut health can clear so many of the common health challenges and issues that we see in kids today. And when you think about it, like it really is the foundation of our health, whether we're kids or adults, it's where we absorb our nutrients, it's where we eliminate our waste. 
The majority of the immune system is located in the gut. Um, our kids' mood and behavior and sleep really relies on good gut health. Um, and, you know, we can, we can alter allergy tolerance by working on the gut. And as you mentioned, you know, I find really good results with fussy eaters when we start to, to balance out the gut. So, um, yeah, it's just really that place where we can, that central place that we can start to optimize because so many kids have so many issues in their gut that can have such positive flow on effects on the rest of their bodies. And did this happen because of the clinical um, work you do or was there an issue with your own kids? Yeah, such a great question. So luckily my kids are, have got fairly robust health, but it was really, you know, I was already a naturopath when I had kids myself. And when I started practicing again after having babies, I just started naturally attracting more mums and kids into my clinic because of the circles I was hanging out with. You know, you know, I was going to kinder gym and play group and all of that sort of thing. And I just started getting some really good results with kids. Um, it started off with eczema and it was solely, you know, by, well, primarily, I should say, by working on the gut. And as the naturopath, when you get good results with someone, all of a sudden you have this influx of the same sorts of issues coming to see you. So I just sort of built experience um, in that way. And yeah, found for so many of the kids' issues that we see so often today, unfortunately, like the eczema, the allergies, the mood, behavioral challenges, um, the constant sickness and the recurrent infections that, you know, working on gut health was a really great place to start with these kids. Right. And of course, when mom, one mum has a good result, she tells Words another mum there's nothing like the mummy mafia is there. Exactly. Yes, that's so true. And can you tell us more about the link between gut health and fussy eating? Which one comes first? Yeah, well, this is a really interesting one. And look, I think they they exacerbate each other. So we end up on this sort of negative cycle. But it's gut health is not often what mums or dads might think of when it comes to kids being fussy. Um, but when we've got an imbalance in the gut microbiome, the bugs, the good and bad bugs that live within our gut, when there's an imbalance there, um, particularly when we've got an overgrowth of the pathogenic bacteria or the, the bad, the baddies, the bad bacteria, it can lead to kids and adults um, craving more of the, the carby, starchy, bland, refined, beige foods that so many fussy kids eat. And again, I sort of accidentally came across this in my clinical practice as a naturopath um, that I noticed that naturally kids, as we started working on healing their gut and balancing their gut microbiome, they started accepting more variety in terms of the foods that parents were sort of putting in front of them. Um, and it makes sense when we know that those pathogenic bacteria that can overgrow within the gut, if the gut isn't healthy, um, can lead to these cravings for these starchy, carby foods. So it's one area that parents can start to work on in terms of, of optimizing their gut to help improve that variety um, that kids eat because I know it's such a pain point for so many parents. It is. We hear so much, don't we? Fussy eaters. It, it just, and people get really concerned about it. 
Mm. Yeah. And I think, look, there's, there's multi factors when it comes to fussy eating, you know, there can be sensory issues. It can be, you know, parents influence as well. Often when I'm talking to parents and, you know, they'll say, Oh, they just won't eat breakfast. And I'm like, well, are you eating breakfast? Well, no, but they have to eat uh-huh. breakfast. You know? yeah, that modeling matters, doesn't mm. it? With fussy eating. Yeah. It really does. So there's, there is definitely like a lot of different factors, but I find again and again, um, when we start to, to heal the gut, that, that, that variety of food really increases that kids will accept. And when you think about it, like, so constipation is a really common gut issue that we see in kids at natural super kids, really common. Um, and when kids are constipated, they tend to have a lower kind of appetite. They're a bit picky with food. So addressing those um, tummy troubles and gut issues that they're having can go a long way at improving that that fussy eating. Right. Yeah. Well, if you've got a sore tummy, mm. or you feel a bit nauseous because you haven't done your pose, you know, it exactly. Could be a bit- yeah, a bit off. The last thing you feel like doing is eating. Yeah, mm. yeah. So what about food allergies and intolerances? That's such a huge one. And they do seem to be getting more common. Kids, adults, you know, what is your, why? Why do you think this is happening? Oh, the, the, and what's your approach to? Yeah, so the, the big golden question, and there's no doubt about it that, you know, allergies are on the rise where there's there's more and more incidents of allergies happening all the time. And why we're not exactly certain of, but what we do know um, is, well, the hygiene hypothesis tells us that the the early exposure to microbes um, helps to reduce the incidence of allergies and also atopic conditions such as eczema and asthma. And our kids these days are living, you know, being born into and living in much more sterile environments. Um, So that is definitely, you know, that that definitely has a part to play. And of course, there's there's lots of other factors as well. And of course, with with food allergies, you do need to avoid that food um, completely, particularly if, you know, there's Mm. some anaphylactic reactions and things going on. But what's often missed is that that gut healing piece and, um, you know, really improving the the health of the microbiome because kids aren't being exposed to different microbes in their environment as much as they once were because of our obsession with hygiene, particularly over the last couple of years, right, with the pandemic. so many, yes, because even before that, I was kind of shocked. I'd had kids that grown up with sand pits and pets and things like that, and then noticing people I was at the chiropractor's one day and you know no judgment on the parents although it does sound very judgy but I was just a bit surprised when a child had been playing with the toys in the waiting room and it's sort of natural you know this was a kid about four or five it wasn't like a baby toddler yes and next thing the dad whips out the hand sanitizer Mm. and I'm thinking oh that's different I wouldn't have thought of that it was that was sort of more my Mm. thinking than oh wow what's he fussing about you know but that was before COVID and then yes of course now people have been terrified you know and yeah I mean I noticed my husband still you know I'm, I'd prefer to wash my hands rather yes. than use uh, sanitizer yeah um but you know my husband will still use sanitizer all the time and I just go and then he's got extra on his hands and I just go Okay, surprise, surprise. <laughs> mm, yeah, exactly. I I agree, exactly. Like I think good old hand washing, and that was shown through the pandemic to be the most effective way of, you know, stopping the spread of, of nasty viruses. 
Um, and so, yeah, there has been this trend towards keeping everything hygienically clean. I think, you know, the marketing to parents, you see those, mm. do you remember that ad with the, um, it was some sort of hygiene or sanitizing spray, like that a mum was spraying all over her benches and they were sort of saying, if you don't use this, it's like rubbing, you know, chicken, raw chicken all over your benches. That's right. Yeah, I do yeah. remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's this constant sort of message that that everything needs to be hygienic, but that is that has its downsides, a lot of downsides as far as I'm concerned. And you know, the other the other thing is kids aren't playing outside as much as they once were for various different reasons. So mm. I think we really do need to embrace, you know, our kids getting dirty, um, being exposed to microbes, because we know from the research, as I said, that early exposure to a lot of variety of different of d- different microbes is really important for gut development and immune development and has some protective effects against allergies and atopic conditions um yeah so it's really important we know from the research that kids that grow up with pets are less likely to get allergies kids that grow up with older siblings that you know probably pass on all of the all of the oh they'll be bringing home all the germs (laughs) exactly yeah so they have less incidence of allergies so there's still so much that we don't know um but we know that that good healthy gut microbiome is a really important part we know kids with allergies have a lower diversity so lower less species of good bacteria within their gut and so, you know, that is certainly an area that, we're, that we focus on at Natural Super Kids to try and diversify that, that microbiome. There's particular strains of probiotics that we use that have, um, you know, some really promising research to suggest that they improve that immune modulation. Because when you think about allergies, it's really, it's the immune system overreacting to things that aren't generally dangerous to our body, you know, certain foods mm. and certain environmental substances. So, that proper immune development from very early on um, and that exposure to microbes is a really important piece of the the allergy puzzle. And what would you do around food for this? You know, I know you're talking about probiotics and, you know, clinical prescription type things. Yes. What about, you know, just what's in your kitchen? What can you eat? What can we try and encourage kids to eat? And how do, you know, if you've got a fussy eater, how do you even get them to do this? Yeah, because it's like it's a bit of a catch 22, right? Like if mums are listening to this and going, okay, I need to get more good food into my kids, but they're fussy. You know, how do we even do that? So the first thing I would say is like I've, I've talked about that diversity within the gut microbiome, diversity in the diet, lots of different foods in the diet is really important to support good gut health. So trying to slowly, like this is this is a big kind of project and could be overwhelming for some people, but um, slowly start to include more and more different types of food within the diet. So rather than always going for the apples and pears in terms of the fruit that you might buy, trying to, you know, diversify the different, the different fruits that you buy, taking and getting the kids involved in that as well, you know, going to the farmer's market or the supermarket um, or the fruit and veg store and getting kids to choose a fruit that they haven't tried before or you haven't eaten for a while. And the same with vegetables. So um, trying to move away from the same fruits, the same vegetables, the same grains, the same meats every single week and trying to you know add in a bit more variety. And that could just look like 
rather than buying the brown onions every single week, maybe, you know, you could add in some, some shallots and some leeks, like that counts as, as diversity and is really important for um, the gut microbiome. So diversity and also um, moving away from so many packet processed, refined foods, which we tend to, you know, grab because we're busy um, and moving more towards the whole foods, the fresh fruits and vegetables, the whole grains, um, you know, the nuts and seeds, uh, those two things are are really important and big projects in themselves. So like just that step-by-step approach of of introducing um, a new fruit, a new vegetable every week um, and trying to move towards more of those whole foods. Right, that makes sense. Yeah, because there are so many packet foods. Um, It's just amazing. I mean, I've got allergies, so I don't eat packet foods and I haven't Mm. for years, but you know, it's really common and it's very much, although you could just grab a banana instead of, you know, exactly food, if you know what I mean. Like it's just, yeah. And look, I, yes. a lot of those foods, exactly. Fruits, yeah, yeah. A few berries or something like that yes. as a finger food. Um, it's quite easy. Yes, exactly. Like, and that's, um, berries are a great example. So rather than going for, you know, the sugary, maybe yogurt pouches that kids have so often these days, Mm. and like a lot of parents think they're a, they're a healthy choice, they're yogurt, but they're usually full of a whole heap of sugar and don't really have a lot of the the good stuff in them in terms of the the fruit, even if it's like a blueberry flavored yogurt. So rather than doing that, getting like a, a plain natural yogurt, adding some berries, a little bit of maple syrup, some nuts and seeds on the top um you know so those sort of little switches can go a long way see that sounds quite delicious <laughs> Does, <doesn't it>? yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah and I mean if your kid does have food allergies or intolerance obviously you're going to be looking at labels and you possibly will make more of your own food just to be sure yeah so you know well there won't be so many packet foods because the time that it takes to read all those labels is pretty tricky if your kids got some problems it really is and it doesn't like you know I'm I'm a busy mum myself I run a a busy business like I don't have all the time in the world to be in the kitchen either so I'm just really Mm. smart with my time in the kitchen you know I'll do a monthly bake up and make up a whole heap of just you know some healthy muffins and um, cookies wrap them all up individually pop them in the freezer so the kids can just grab those um, for their lunch boxes in the morning as opposed to buying, you know, so many packets. And I will just say, we do eat packet food. I'm not saying don't eat any mm. packet food. We've but you've gotten really... used to which ones are the safer yes. ones. Yes, exactly. You know, the the um, generally the, the shorter the ingredient list, the better. You know, you want to avoid those foods that have, you know, eight to ten lines for the ingredient list and all these names mm. that you don't even know what they are. Um, you know, this this becomes normal that we're we're feeding our kids and those those once off or treat foods that kids might have had a couple of times a week are now, you know, there's a couple of them in in their lunchbox every day. Um, yeah, so we do definitely need to, you know, get smarter with our time in the kitchen, get the kids involved if they're old enough. Um, you know, I've got a 12 and a 14 year old and I put them on, on lunchbox baking duty sometimes as well. Well, they can make their own lunches now. Yes, they can. Whether they do or not is another thing. That's right. (laughs) Yes, but even that, they can pack lunch boxes, you know, and pop them in the freezer ready to just grab as well if you've got, you know, several lunch boxes. 
Yeah, definitely. And at least like the the elements of the lunchbox and then mm. chuck a few fresh, fresh ingredients. Another good tip that I have for lunchboxes is to have the lunchboxes open on the bench while you're cooking dinner. So as you're cutting up veggies, you can just cut a few extra, you know, carrot sticks or cucumber sticks or whatever, chuck them in the um, lunchbox as opposed to the lunchbox packing needing to be another thing you've got to do, like, you know, oh, weave it into something one. that you're already doing. That's a great tip. Yeah, super practical. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I guess, you know, as a busy mum with older kids who've had to have lunch boxes, you kind of, you know, and, and it takes you a while, doesn't it, to, to grab hold of those workarounds? Yes, yes, it does. And all those little shortcuts we can take, you know, like can make a big difference in terms of mm. being able to get healthy food in front of them more often. And making bigger batches so that yes. perhaps you can freeze one or you've got one for lunch tomorrow that you've, you know, you've had dinner tonight and even mums with toddlers. You know, maybe you've got a toddler and a new baby and when you're cooking dinner, cook a double batch so that tomorrow you've got your lunch ready. Yes, I'm all about those those double batches. And when my kids were little, I used to get together with a few other mums and we all used to make a big batch of something and then, you know, share it out um, while the kids played. Well, that was the idea. <laughs> I used to do that too. Now, that's a very long time ago. I lived in New Zealand and a couple of friends and we'd even go to an orchard and pick fruit and, oh. you know, come back and there'd be somebody to watch the kids while you cooked. Yeah. And then you, you know, you do your big batches or you bring your big batches to that one. You know, it's actually a nicer way than doing a play group in a way because you're not just sitting around comparing yes, children or time. Play, wasting yeah. time. You're there and there's always, you know, someone on mum duty. Yes. to help with the toddlers and you know if someone needs to sit down and feed their baby that's fine while someone else stirs the pot kind of thing or yeah. divides up the food and packages it up and then yeah it's it's done it's easy yeah you go you home leave... with four or five meals yes that's what I was just going to say you leave with yeah multiple meals that you can put in the freezer and we all know we all need those freezer meals that you know those healthy <gasps> freezer meals we can pull out day. on those <laughs> tricky days yeah <laughs> yeah and look, back to the um, gut health thing, you mentioned mood and behaviour challenges. Mm, how, so, does that, how does that happen? God, I know. So interesting, isn't it? I'm just so fascinated by this, this whole topic, like the gut-brain connection. And it's kind of a bit of a, it's a quite a trendy topic at the moment. So some listeners may have heard about this gut-brain connection. So the gut and brain are linked by a nerve called the vagus nerve and there's still so much more research that needs to be done in this area. So much we don't know, but what we know is that the, the microbes, the the little bugs within the microbiome in the gut actually communicate with the brain and vice versa. The brain communicates back with the microbes in the gut. And the other thing that, that we know is that a lot of the neurotransmitters that have a huge impact on our kids' mood and behavior, things like dopamine and serotonin and GABA and melatonin when it comes to sleep, um, are actually produced within the gut. So when we have an imbalance within the gut or the gut isn't functioning at an optimal level, um, then it's going to affect and impact these neurotransmitters. And these neurotransmitters help to calm our kids, help them to go off to sleep healthily um, or easily, help them stay asleep. And of course, you know, um, affect their behavior as well. So the healthier the gut is and the more diversity we have in that gut microbiome, again, that diversity word, 
um, the the healthier our kids' mental health, their mood, their behavior will be. There's been quite a bit of research done on mental health issues like anxiety and depression um, and the link with the gut. And, um, you know, I know from my clinical practice with these kinds of conditions in both adults and kids, um, people often will have digestive symptoms that also have anxiety and depression. And when we start to improve the the digestive symptoms, the mood um, improves as well and the mental health improves too. So it's such a fascinating area. Like I said, there's so much more that we that we don't know yet about it. But what we do know is that a healthy gut equates to um, healthier mood and, and um, better behavior in our kids. And that's a thing too, because people can have a nervous tummy and you've got the whole cycle, you know, the brain yes. starts to get anxious and the tummy becomes, you know, children have tummy aches or even adults, you know, you find you're running to the toilet because you're feeling anxious and, and that whole circular thing that goes on. Yes. And that's the perfect example of that gut brain connection. You know, when we're feeling nervous, we often need to go to the toilet and do what I call a nervous poo. Yes, <laughs> or yes. We feel like <laughs> butterflies in our tummy or, you know, we get diarrhea. Um, and that's, that's like how that gut and brain is, is linked. So yes, yeah, such a fascinating area. Mm. No, I'm fascinated as a lactation consultant because, you know, we know that these serotonin receptors, develop in the gut and there's so much pressure now to night wean babies very early and you Mm -hmm. go hang on the night milk is so rich in tryptophan yes and tryptophan converts to both melatonin and serotonin but it helps develop those serotonin receptors in the gut that you really need for a healthy nervous system Mm -hmm. later on and I think don't stop those night feeds just because you know I mean obviously if your baby's feeding every half hour and you're feeling really exhausted it's about balancing mum and baby but yes again food can play such a big part in these wakeful babies whether it's coming through your breast milk or whether it's um you know food intolerances or something else that's going on when that baby's eating other family foods and Mm -hmm. you know it's to me it's just absolutely fascinating this that you know it's such a such a gut brain type Mm-hmm. um yeah circle really isn't it yeah it really is and that's such a um yeah interesting point that you make I think that's another example of like you know society telling us how things should be you know your baby should be sleeping through the night otherwise you're failing as a as a mother but that night those night feeds as you're saying like they have that they have benefits Mm. Um, and breast milk on that topic, like is the perfect food for developing that healthy gut. It's full of, um, probiotics and prebiotics, which help to feed the good bugs within our digestive system. And we know that, you know, of course there's all sorts of reasons why people might not be able to breastfeed or might Mm. struggle with breastfeeding. Um, and so, you know, totally no judgment here, but we know that babies that are breastfed, Um, you know, generally have a healthier gut microbiome. So if you are formula feeding for whatever reason, um, adding, you know, thinking about adding in um, some probiotics and prebiotics to that formula is something that I would highly recommend. Mm. And see a practitioner that deals with babies to do that rather than just grabbing something off the shelf too. Yes, exactly. Because yeah, like babies' microbiomes are very different in nature. So you've got to really make sure that you're, you know, choosing the best um, and the most appropriate kind of probiotics and prebiotics. So yeah, always, always seeking that professional help for sure. 
Mm. And any more practical ways about how parents can protect their kids' gut health? I mean, obviously, it's the variety and the exposure to different bugs and, you know, playing outdoor play. Is there lots of park play or dirt play or yeah. sandpit play? And I don't, you don't see so many sandpits anymore. You don't, do you? I mean, even my eldest is 14 and we had a sandpit out in our backyard. Like that was the best toy we had Ooh. for him. So many hours of, of play out there. Yeah, so getting your kids and yourself, like this stuff's important for us as adults as well. So spending more time outside. Did you know that kids are now spending half the amount of time outside than their parents did on average? So that is a huge drop. Significant, isn't it? It really is. And of course, like there's, you know, I'm all about giving my kids independence. We um, live in a fairly safe kind of area and my son has been going out on his bike. He's, he's mountain bike obsessed for years now. They go to this, um, you know, this big paddock and they build mountain bike jumps and, um, you know, get dirty. My daughter's a little bit harder to get outside. So I, I kind of see, see um, both yeah. of those um, scenarios, but getting outside with your kids and encouraging them to play outside more, not worrying about the dirt. Yeah. Getting them in the sandpit, going for for um, family outings to national parks, going camping, you know, getting back to basics. That is really important for our kids immune development and their gut health development. Um, another thing that I would say is, you know, if and when you need to give kids antibiotics, make sure you're following up with any course of antibiotics with some really good quality probiotics. Um, because I see so many kids that have had early life antibiotics that have sort of ongoing issues with immunity and gut stuff going on. Um, and we know that antibiotics, you know, can wipe out a lot of that good bacteria. And of course, you know, we're lucky to have such easy access to antibiotics. They definitely have their place, but they are overprescribed. Um, and we need to make sure we're replenishing that gut microbiome after any sort of antibiotic use. Um, yeah, that diversity within the, the diet is really important and increasing more of those high fiber foods, not the cereal boxes that say high in fiber on the front of them, but I'm talking more about the fruits and the vegetables and the whole grains, like things like oats and rye are really um, good in terms of the, the prebiotic fibers that they contain that help to feed the good gut bugs. Um, and the one other thing that I would say is, you know, work on reducing your kids sugar intake because sugar has such detrimental effects on our kids gut health. And of course, we don't have to be perfect and avoid sugar altogether. But if we're moving away from so many of those processed packaged foods, as we talked about before, we'll start to naturally reduce the amount of sugar that we are you know, giving our kids in their diet, like making your own biscuits and muffins, as I was saying before, you can control how much sugar is going into them. And when you're used to those kind of homemade snacks, um, you know, when they when they have the the supermarket stuff, um, you know, they can really notice the the difference in the sweetness. So yeah, sugar sugar is one of those things to to watch out for when it comes to gut health as well. Newborns need to be fed around the clock and the mama milk machine does not stop day or night. The average baby requires at least nine hours of hands-on care a day. 
And that doesn't include all the extra tasks of washing, cooking and basic self-care, like simply having a shower that goes with a new addition to your family. As you breastfeed and care for your baby, feeding yourself is often the last thing you can manage. And this is why I, Pinky, I'm an international board certified lactation consultant, created delicious booby foods. So far, booby brickies and booby brekkie to nourish you as you breastfeed your baby. As a nourishing snack, an analysis by Victoria University Melbourne found that Pinky's booby foods can be a helpful nutritional complement to a healthy balanced diet. And because we know that everything mothers eat will be passed to their baby through breast milk, booby bickies and booby brekkie are made from all natural and organic ingredients with no preservatives or additives. You can download my free ebook, Making More Mummy Milk Naturally, and you'll get 15% off any purchase when you order booby bickies, booby brekkie, or any of the carefully curated breastfeeding accessories at www.boobyfoods.com.au. Use the code TITSUP at checkout to receive your 15% discount. And even in recipes, you can halve the sugar up bound in almost every recipe it doesn't make any difference to the actual way it comes out other than yes. the taste a little bit but you just get used to that lower sugar you really do and I agree like any any recipe you find you can yeah generally half the amount of sugar for sure so yeah and breakfast foods are a really big source of sugar for kids um as well you know those box breakfast cereals most of them are really high in sugar so if we can switch over to a more whole food breakfast whether it's a smoothie or some toast with scrambled eggs um that's going to be such a better option than the box breakfast cereals that so many kids are starting their day with mm. and even you know you can make overnight oats yes if you, can't, if you don't have time to cook in the morning for breakfast exactly overnight oats porridge chia puddings like i said smoothies um yeah so mm. many options we really don't need those box breakfast cereals no no and you know an egg a boiled egg with some soldiers in you know whole grain toast or something like that can often be fun for younger kids Yes, exactly. And, you know, you're getting that protein. That's another thing that's often lacking in kids' diets, particularly at breakfast and lunchtime, is that protein. So eggs are such a great source of protein, such a perfect way to start the day. Mm. I've just been listening to um, podcasts by a woman in the States called JJ Virgin, and she's talking about adults, not about children, but, you know, how much protein we, us older ladies should be having it, or older people should be having it. <laughs> Um, you know, over 40 kind of thing. And mm -hmm. it's quite a bit. Yeah, when most of us aren't eating enough protein. Yeah. No, no. And um, yesterday I actually saw my endocrinologist because I've got a chronic um, thyroid issue mm -hmm. and I'd had a brain scan, a uh, brain scan, bone scan, bone density scan. <laughs> I don't know how my brain is, but I had a bone density scan. <laughs> And my bone density was great. You know, I've got a 0.1% chance of having a fracture in the next five to 10 years, which is fantastic because I'm definitely well past menopause. You know, I'm an older lady and I thought that was great. But he actually really impressed me because he, um, you know, put all the risk factors in. And then he um, went through about 
you know, food in your diet, mm -hmm. which I thought was amazing Great. because so many um, health practitioners, you know, medical health practitioners don't necessarily do that. And yeah. where to find, you know, and, and how many grams of calcium I should be having in a day and which okay. foods and, you know, I mean, I do know about high calcium foods, but, you know, just really, really good and work it out and, you know, how much you're getting and that sort of thing. And don't do it on supplements because it's, you know, it's much better to get it from food. Mm -hmm. And I went awesome because if you take too much, start taking calcium, then you're starting impacting your heart, for instance. So, yes. you know, but I was just so impressed that, um, yeah, he, he really discussed nutrition and I thought, this is awesome. Yes. Um, because people don't tend to make that connection. They'll mm -hmm. just come up with a pill. And I think, no, this is great. Um, but also when you're talking about probiotics and prebiotics, can you just explain the difference between those two? Yeah. So a really good way to think about this is probiotics are the seeds. So they're the, like, if we're using kind of a gardening analogy, um, probiotics are the seeds and prebiotics is what, is what feed the seeds. So the sunshine and the, and the water. So the prebiotics are much less talked about. I think most of us know what probiotics are. A lot of us take a, a daily probiotic or eat probiotic rich foods like yogurt or sauerkraut or kefir, but prebiotics are equally, if not more important, because if we're not feeding those healthy bugs, you know, they're, they're little alive, um, you know, little beings. Um, if we're not feeding them, then they're not going to thrive within our gut. So the prebiotics um, come from, you know, fruits and vegetables and um, grains that we eat. And these are often foods that are lacking in, in our kids' diet. So um, yeah, rye and oats and leeks and onion and garlic and a whole variety of different um, vegetables and whole grains can contain prebiotic fibers. So important to get more of those into our kids' diets too. That's great. Yes, because I often think we hear about them and they just whiz past us and we're not thinking, what actually are those prebiotics? Are they the same as probiotics? So, yeah, I like that analogy, the garden. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And the compost, the worm farm. The compost, <laughs> yes, very important. <laughs> For our food. Yeah, now, you've got a free online masterclass coming up. I Please do. Tell yes. us so, about that. So it is all about gut health, as you might have guessed, <laughs> my, my passion area. So it's it's a very long title. It's called Three Surprisingly Simple Ways to Transform Your Kids' Gut Health to Improve Their Behavior, Immunity, Allergies, and Fussy Eating. Um, and it's all about how to optimize your kids' gut health, but in really practical easy to understand ways. And I'm also going to be giving people a, a bit of a background as to how the gut impacts their kids' immune system and how often they get sick and how easily they recover from sickness and how the gut impacts, you know, a child's eating preferences and mood and behavior and allergies, those sorts of things. Um, yeah. So I think you're going to add the link to the show notes. I've got two That's sessions. In the show notes. Yes. <laughs> I've got sessions um, coming up at the end of October. So I've got a, um, a morning session on Tuesday, the 25th of October and an evening session on Wednesday, the 26th of October. So I'd love for everyone to come along and it's totally free um, and will be packed full of value. That's right. Because in this little podcasty thing, we can only really brush over and give you a few tips. We can't give you the whole lot. 
Um, mm -hmm. This is, and then of course I interrupt and ask questions that are maybe not as quite on track or specific as you will have, you know, right there. Um, yeah, so this is more of an outline rather than the nitty gritty that Getting you're going into to the be covering. Yes. Yeah, and you're really, you know, you've heard some of Jess's really practical tips, but there'll be lots more in that. And will, I, will the sessions be recorded if people do happen to so be working or miss them? There is no, we're not, we don't offer a replay, unfortunately, because we do just want as many people to, to show up live as possible. But I do run these classes, you know, a couple of times a year. Um, yeah, if but you don't if you, want to wait till the next one if you can get on this one. Yes, exactly, and that's why I'm doing like an eight, like a morning session and an evening session. So, yeah, ho fingers crossed, people can make one of those times. Right. Yeah. Now let's get really personal, and I ask all the guests because you're all mums. I, I kind of go, you know, even though you're professional, you're a mum, and yep. it just shows that no matter how much you know. We all have our tits up moments and we have bad or silly or funny moments, but it doesn't make us bad mothers. And so can you share a tits up moment from your own mothering experience? And it may be about your food. It may be something completely different that your kids have done or you've done. A stuff up, a tits Ooh, up moment. A stuff up, yeah. Let me. <laughs> or something you've learned from perhaps. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, gosh, such a great question. You've caught me off guard with this question. Um, so I, this, this is a, like a, a not something that I'm proud of, but this one moment I was just, so we, we did a big trip around um, Australia when my kids were eight and six, eight and six. And so we were living in a camper for 13 months, a very small camper, not a big fancy caravan, a very small camper, roughing it, um, you know, going around Australia. And so I, I was completely um, fed up this one day. I can't even remember why I was so, so I uh, like at my wits end with the kids, you know, just we were up in Darwin, it was hot um, and I'd cooked this, this pizza and everyone was whinging um, and hungry and I just lost my temper and threw this pizza <laughs> rather than giving it to the kids. One of the kids said something, I can't remember what it was, and I just threw this pizza <laughs> to a bush in a in a split moment and then I, I, as soon as I did it I'm like oh what have I done was catching <laughs> microbiomes I was catching probiotics wasn't it <laughs> probiotics yeah I was trying to get them get them some um you know some dirt um yeah the kids just looked at me with these wide eyes like <laughs> they couldn't believe that I'd done What's it up with mom <laughs> Um, and I just, you know, I, I just had a, a moment and just stormed off and they they picked up the pizza from the bush. <laughs> Got there. Got their prebiotics. Not my most proud mum moment, but, you know, I think we, we all lose, lose it at some point, don't we? I, mean, I think it's good for people to know that. I mean, I was one day at the, that just reminded me, I was one day at the kitchen sink, you know, preparing vegetables and chopping up parsley with my scissors. And I had a toddler crawling up, you know, one-year-old crawling up my leg. And then I heard somebody say, oh, his hand's on my chair and carrying on. And Gilligan's Island was playing in the background. Remember Gilligan's Island? How yes. damn annoying the whole thing was. And I just picked up my baby, put her down, safely stormed across and I cut the TV cord with my pair of scissors and one of the kids <laughs> go, ah, 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 I tried to tell you it was still on <laughs> the scissors had a plastic handle thank 
goodness. Oh, gosh. And, and just then my husband pulls up in the driveway and the kids are going, she cut the TV cord. <laughs> crazy. We all have our crazy moments. <laughs> and the kids never let us forget those moments, do they? they Absolutely like, not. No. It's reminding me. <laughs> so my mother threw a pizza. <laughs> it's reminding you through the pizza, Mum. Yep, no, we hear about that. You know, she cut the TV cord. (laughs) Yeah, we all have those moments. So I love that you include this in your in your podcast because it, you know, brings us all back to reality, doesn't it? We're all human. We we all stuff up. And you know, we didn't belt the children. No, No, we didn't throw it at the kids. (laughs) No, I didn't throw one of the children. I threw the pizza. No, you threw the pizza. Oh, lucky I, you know, lucky I missed the kids and got the bush instead. Yeah. <laughs> and the pizza was still edible. Yeah, just. Just. They got some germs. They got some extra <laughs> diversity. Yeah, good for the microbiome. That's yeah, good. I hadn't even also, thought of that. No, and they also learned that you were human. Yes, and I'm really big on that. Like, you know, if I lose my, my temper and I'm always like, you know, I... Um, you know, I'll, I'll apologize and say, you know, mm. I probably shouldn't have act, reacted like that. Um, but it does. It proves that we are all human. We all have emotions that need to kind of be released sometimes. And I think we need to, um, yeah, be good examples of that. We have those big feelings. I mean, I always think it would have been really hard for the kids if they thought I was perfect. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) Having to live up to that. (laughs) Yeah. And I just think about even, you know, maybe back a couple of generations ago where it was all, you know, everyone had to put on that brave front and you would never have, or particularly men, but even women, I think like had to Mm. like come across, like they were coping and everything was, was fine. I guess it's still, still the same in lots of ways. I think we embrace emotion a lot more these days though. I think we do, and there's a bit more raw and honest stuff around, but there's also the flip side of that where people are portraying this perfection. That's true. Particularly on social media or wherever in the media, whatever, and it's it's really hard to, you know, just get real. And that's why I think, you know, if I'm interviewing professional women who've got all these extra skills and everybody looks up to them and they think, oh, she's just as human as I am. She's yes. a person too, and I think that's, important that we you know fess up yes we're not horrible all the time but we do have our moments where we have our big feelings too yeah definitely and we need to express those it's that what's that you know um that quote about social media like we compare our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reel because of what we see on on social media and it's just not realistic so I love that there's this trend towards being more you know, raw and vulnerable. Um, yeah. Yeah, without, we don't have to share all of our personal no. stuff. But, yeah. you know, just that we share some of the things and that's what I sort of think about, you know, having your tits up moments, um, you know, just, just being open that we have them occasionally. Yeah. And, and it also depends on what stress people are under. You know, at mm-hmm. the moment it could be financial stress. It could be, um, you know, job stress. It could mm-hmm. be... So health stress, there's so many things that can impact families and parents and children. And, you know, just that the children have had such a horrible time for the last couple of years, mm-hmm. you know, and I think they reflect our feelings, you know, they sense our security or lack of it. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, and when everybody's bouncing around off everybody else's big feelings, it's not surprising that there's a bit of release going on. Definitely. And I think it's important to, well, I was just having a conversation with my kids recently, like they were, one of them was complaining about a grumpy teacher, you know, that was in a really bad mood. And it just brought up this conversation. Well, we don't know what, you know, I know that's not easy for you, but we don't know what's happening in their life. Like, you know, they could have anything going on in the background. So whenever there's, you know, there's someone that's not being nice and, you know, the same goes for bullying or, you know, in a bad mood, there's generally a reason behind that. And we've got to look at, you know, think about that. Think about it from their point of view. Yeah, that their behaviour is a communication. Mm-hmm. And if it's children, their behaviour is a communication that they might not be feeling right. And maybe they need some more fiber in their diet (laughs) they need some more microbes for sure but I definitely you know I can relate to that that behavior being communication as a mum of teenagers too (laughs) yes yes that preteen stuff there's so much going on so much development and it's back like when you had toddlers and they couldn't quite get through you know they didn't really have the language to get through but we're learning a new language every every age and stage of our kids too. Yes. When they go from being small children, you, you get a handle on it and then there might be a cruisy time and there might be a stressful time. And then now at adolescence, they're going through incredible development and changes in hormones and changes in biochemistry. Yes. And that, wow. Like I've just mm. been reading Maggie Dent's Boys to Men book. Um, from boys to men, I think it's called. Oh, it's fascinating. All yep. the brain, the the changes that are happening in a teenage boy's brain. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. no wonder he's not listening to me. <laughs> he can't. He actually can't. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he actually can't. And that's going to take quite a few years to get through. Mm. You know, Wish me luck. year old boys are hard. <laughs> <laughs> My youngest is past that, but I can remember. <laughs> mm. Different, different children different teens have different exposure to things that are going on too I mean now kids have got phones and peer pressure is just incredible and where we once you know I've got nearly 18 years between my oldest and my youngest and they would you find the older kids you knew the parents in the neighborhood they didn't have mobile phones you go to pick them up knock on the door and you possibly go in for a cup of tea Mm-hmm. You know, all that sort of stuff that you actually knew the families that they were with, whereas now they might be catching a bus to a school that's at a distance and a kid from another distance somewhere across town is coming to that school too. Yes. And you don't always know those families even. And the that's kids so are communicating true. with their mobile phones and it might just be someone they met on the bus. It's not even someone from their school. So, so it's even harder to keep track. And yeah. they seem to be... They seem to think they're more grown up yes, than yes. they are because they've had a lot more exposure to things too. Well, they do. They do just naturally grow up a lot quicker. You know, I've been really careful about, you know, what apps I allow on, on my teenager's phone, but then the, the, they catch a school bus, my kids. So then if the kid mm. next to them has got some app, they, they can see, you know, like it's you can't fully control what they're, what they're seeing. No. And I guess you've got to, yeah, get comfortable with, that somewhat and hope that um yeah you can just keep those lines of communication open mm-hmm. yep <laughs> and what's your best tip for <laughs> listeners on how to be the mother you want to be oh okay so I would say oh. 
<laughs> so, so many things are coming to mind. I think just listening to your intuition, like what we've just been talking about, there's so many, we've, we've also almost got information overload these days, don't we? Like oh, there's, yes. we can, we can listen to podcasts, which are great. You know, I have my own podcast and you, you, you do as well. Like it's such a great source of information. We can read blogs, there's books, there's social media. So I think we can forget to tune into what feels right for us. So I think just, yes. you know, trying to weave in some quiet moments in your day, even if it's just a couple of minutes to, you know, just tune into what feels right for you when you're, you know, in general parenting or when you're making, making decisions, because yeah, I, I struggle with that sometimes and have to remember to come back to, okay, like that book saying that, and that podcast said that, but what, what, you know, what, what feels good for me? Yeah, what feels good for me and my kid, and you do know your kids. And like you say, you've got two different kids. Yeah. It's surprising, isn't it? You, you sort of think you've figured out the first one and the second one comes up and they do things very differently. <laughs> yes, that's so true. My kids are like polar opposites. And I've got like a, a boy and a girl. Often I put it down to that, but there's, there's so much more to it than that. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah, mm. and, and there is. And yeah, but I think that, you know, taking some quiet time, taking some breaths and just tuning in to what feels right for you. Mm-hmm. And I was found with little ones, I'd say, is it safe? Is it respectful? And does it feel right? But with the older ones, once they got to teenagers, I would start working on, is it morally threatening or is it life-threatening when they thought they wanted mm-hmm. to do something? And that was a reasonably good measure for me because you do have to let go. You do. I think that's the hardest part of of teenage parenting and I'm just you know I'm just getting into it now but it is it's that constant process of of letting go and getting comfortable that you know you're not the the one and only kind of person in their life they're influenced by so so many more people um and yeah you, you do it's almost I was talking to a friend about it on the weekend it's almost like this kind of a version of grief like as teenagers grow up and you kind of um like the connection just changes between you and yeah. it's, you've got to get comfortable with that, um, the moving away from you because that's what's supposed to happen during adolescence, isn't it? It is, yeah. They, they're growing and they're learning and they're making their own mistakes and thinking about things and you know, and as the parent, you know what could be potentially, you know, going to cause some trouble for them. Mm. And it's, and I also think having their friends to your place, making that welcome. So then you do know where they are and what they're doing. Yeah. And you can loosen up that way. And you get to know the friends and, um, yeah, those sort of things. And yeah, when they do that's... make mistakes, asking them, so what did you learn? It's... Mm-hmm. Often they haven't got a clue. No, but they do. They need to figure <laughs> they stuff think out about for themselves, it. Yeah. don't they? Yeah. yeah. And just have it helping them to think what's going on for them. But again, figuring stuff out and letting go so they do figure stuff out is, but their world does become so much wider. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting time. And so it's so positive in lots of ways as well. Like oh, you can it's have, wonderful to watch how, what sort of people they're becoming. It's really so exciting. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got grandchildren that are those ages too. And, you know, and also listening to them. Um, You know, we were sitting at lunch. It was my birthday and we were sitting at lunch and the three grandchildren, like there's, they were cousins and just listening to them talking and their views on things around the world, you think they're actually actually really sensible. Mm -hmm. 
know, it's it's quite positive, even though they do things and, you know, one might get a letter home from school about something they've done at school and, um, you know, and I think, yeah, well, my kids got those letters too, Some, well, a couple of them, not all yeah. of them, but, you know, there was one in particular they gave up writing and used to ring me. Um, <laughs> not all the time, but, you know, a couple of times a term there'd be a phone call about Yeah, it. yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and it wasn't horrible things they were doing. It was just, you know, a bit cheeky or mm-hmm. what have you. And you just think, you know, they were they were testing things out. Yeah, well, that's their job, isn't it? To test mm. those boundaries as they kind of, yeah, yeah like the, become their own independent people. So, mm. yeah. But well, I think taking you. that deep breath and thinking, you know, well, yeah, again, is, is it really going to hurt that they have a go at this? Mm-hmm. Well, how can I let them? And I'd often say to them too, like, you know, a child who wanted to go to the city or something like that. So, okay, what's your plan? Mm-hmm. And see if they could think it through, how they were going to get home, what they were going to do when they were there. And, you know, did they know how to catch that train properly? And, yeah, you know, so, when was the last bus coming home if they were a bit older? Yes, 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 yes. God, and they're usually way more capable than, than we give them credit for, aren't they? Like, not, yeah, but that reassured me that they actually had a plan. They were just yes. going to randomly go to the city and wander <laughs> around and forget the yeah, last bus actually- and call you to come and get them. Yeah. <laughs> Which, of course, that happens too. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're, we're not quite there yet, but I've got no. that to come. Yeah, yeah. They'll be a bit yeah. older, but I do think I do like that about listening to yourself because, like you say, it doesn't matter whether it's a baby, a toddler, a, a teen, you're going to get different opinions from different people. Mm-hmm. And it might depend how old their kids were when are. I mean, grandparents will have a an idea or they'll be surprised at some of the things that are different now to what yeah. you know when we brought up our kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if I compared everything to my older kids compared to what the young this bonus baby was exposed to I would find it probably quite difficult to think of where the grandchildren are at yes yes wow that's yeah that's a, a big gap that you've got in your in your mm. children so it's almost like different generations almost. almost yeah yeah but also things like um with teens I've just been to Sydney with my daughter and her son and he's um just turned 16 but he's grown a beard yeah and you know I said to him so what's it about he says oh mum doesn't like it it's annoying mum and I thought well if that's the biggest rebellion you've got on your plate it's actually not too bad it's not morally threatening it's not life-threatening yeah it's just being you know self-expression really yeah 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 yeah. oh I love that my my son's got quite long hair at the moment and I quite like the way it looks and he's like mom I think I want to go and get a, a haircut I'm going to get a mullet and I'm like no yes. <laughs> and I said your hair looks so good now at the moment he goes that's why I need to get a haircut if your mum thinks your hair looks good then you need to get a haircut <laughs> said, yeah my grandson got a mullet too and his other grandmother kept saying no 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 it's horrible not just started laughing and I said to him a photo of his dad when he was um, about 13 and had a mullet back in the day. And yes. they almost looked identical when the <laughs> and he said, and my daughter in law said, he took that picture on his phone to the hairdresser and got his mullet. He's just had his mullet cut off now. He just <laughs> did cut it off. 
that's good. It's all the, yeah, the real dirty mullets from the eighties. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I just he hasn't he hasn't had a mullet. He hasn't had his haircut yet. He's kind of chickening out. He's like, no, I'm not really. So anyway, we'll see. We'll see what Sometimes happens. Sometimes the less reaction, the better. I know. That's what I learned. I'm like, okay, I've got to, I've got to pretend I like the opposite of what I actually like because he, <laughs> he doesn't want the haircut that I like. <laughs> no, no, it's not cool. Your mother likes your haircut when you're 14 <laughs> or 15 or 16. No. Oh, and yeah, that's the other thing that I've, I've really learned with, with him. He's nearly 15. And um, I interviewed a parenting, like a teen parenting expert for um, my online program that I have. And she was saying like, you know, as parents, we can often jump to be defensive when, you know, a, a child says, you know, that they, I don't know, don't want to go to school. Well, you've got to go to school. You know, it's just part of life. But rather than jumping to that, like get curious and, oh, that's worked so yeah. well for me. Like, oh, like, so, so what is it that you don't like about school? I used it for, he didn't want to go to school camp. And, you know, my first reaction was like, school camp, that's supposed to be fun. You, like, you gotta go yeah, to yeah, I know. You jump in, don't you? <laughs> but I stopped myself and I was like, oh, what are, you, what are you not looking forward to about school camp? And it led to this big conversation and it was just so good. So just being, yeah, curious about why our kids are sort of saying things rather than jumping to be mm. defensive and tell them, well, bad luck because it's just part of life and that's what you have to do. And it's so... You know, it's like you open your mouth and your mother jumps out because that's, <sighs> that's what would have happened a generation ago. Mm-hmm. It you really know, would have. Say, yeah. well, look, just, just, you know, pull up your big boy pants and just get going. Yeah. We have to catch the bus now. Get going. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just being that listening board, you know, that, mm. and, and that's how we keep that connection. That's what this, this um, yeah. yeah, teen teen parenting um, expert was saying. Kirsten Kobabe, her name is, she's, she's based in Hawaii. Okay. Um, yeah, she does. She just has some really good Instagram memes that come up. I'm like, oh, I just needed to read that today. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the way? Yeah, and even with younger kids, I know my youngest one had learning difficulties, and I'd taken him for this to this tutor, and he was getting, I don't want to go today, and I said, come on, just get in the car. You know, humour me, we're going. And I'd paid this woman who, you know, however much it was a term, you know, it might have been forty dollars a lesson or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. and because he didn't want to go he jumped over the fence into the garden next door which was a big beautiful garden hidden in the garden so I went and said to her you know she gave me all the what you've got to do and you've got no control and that sort of thing mm-hmm. and then I got out and say look we're not going today just hop in the car and we'll go home and I was driving home and I said to him so and I and I was you know ready to say look kid I'm mm-hmm. paying this mother money this this woman money why aren't you just going in and doing it and it's going to help you learn to read blah 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 and I said to him so What's the problem? He said, she's got foul breath. Oh. <laughs> and I thought, oh, how do I deal with this one? <laughs> that is so funny. But if you never asked that question, you never would have known. Like, that's pretty valid. being a brat. It's yeah. <laughs> a pretty valid reason to not want to sit Fair across enough. from someone for oh, however. Sit right next to someone while they're pointing to the wounds and breathing on you for half an hour. Did you so I her? like that one. No, I didn't tell her why we were coming back. <laughs> no, that's that's a bit awkward. I, don't I just said, like look, he's is. actually getting some extra help from school at the moment, so we'll leave it for a while. <laughs> oh, I say to someone, my kid doesn't want you breathing on him. When yeah. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, that's a great story. Yeah, so I think being curious is a really good tip too. You know, listen mm. to yourself, but also be curious around it. Now, he was only about seven or eight. He wasn't a teenager at that point in time, but I think that's a good one. To yeah. Yeah. Try well, and remember, because sometimes it, even with little ones, you just think, I'll oh, just put your damn shoes on and yes. get in the car. Yeah, I know. And I think that could even work really well with toddlers and, you know, mm. like, what is it? I know it's it's probably harder with toddlers than it is like teenagers. So three to four-year-olds could give you, yeah. you know, good, good answers. Maybe there's a tag on their shoe that they don't like or, you know. Ooh, their they're, socks they're... are itchy. Yeah, <laughs> that exactly. pair of socks is itchy, yeah. 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 So, yeah, I think those are, those are some really good tips. <laughs> Thank you for that. And thank you so much, Jessica. And people, look in the show notes and get on to Jessica's um, webinars. They are webinars, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah Masterclass webinars. Masterclass. Really. Yeah, live, yeah. live online class. <laughs> mm, a live online class around your children's gut health and behaviour and allergies and all those things. And she'll go in deeper and give you lots of tips that you can do. So, yeah. So thank you, Jessica. We've had a fun time. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity to chat. It's been so nice to to have a conversation and get some teen parenting tips from you. I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) (laughs) We're all over the place here. Um, Tits up, ladies. Pull up your big girl pants. We can do this. We are mothers. In the spirit of reconciliation, I acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the traditional owners and custodians of this country and their connection to land, water and community. We pay our respect to them, their cultures and customs and to elders past, present and emerging. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tits Up. This podcast was produced by Dave Stokes. For more information, connections with our guests and special offers from our show sponsors, please pop over to my website and check out the show notes, www.pinkymccabe.com. I would love it if you could please share the love by leaving a review. Five-star reviews will help other mums to find this support and information too.